0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the B2B Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, B2B Marketing journalist, Molly Raycraft, joined by my assistant, Adam Harper. Hello. We hope you enjoyed last week's first ever episode of the podcast. If not, hopefully you're back on Adam's promise that this week's will be even better.
1: So we'd like to extend an apology to our first three guests, Brian, Gemma and Simon. You guys are all amazing. So amazing, we realised in fact that it was wrong to not give you your own episodes. You really deserved far more of our spotlight, and for that we are eternally sorry. However, in future this is something we'll fix. Going forward, each episode will be one brilliant interview with a great B2B marketer from a brand that you guys know and love. With that in mind, Molly, would you like to let them know who we are interviewing for today's episode?
0: So we will be talking about Sakina Najmi. Adam, give us the lowdown.
1: Okay, sure, Molly. So, Sakina has recently started at Sandvik. There is a Swedish-based company that does an awful lot of things around the heavy industry and engineering space. Uh, previously, she was at Critio, that was an ad tech firm. And she built a real best-in-class marketing department, specifically around sort of, tech-driven growth marketing. And she's looking to do the same in a completely different space, completely different culture, and a different industry. Uh, So it was really interesting to talk to her about what it was like to cross from different spaces and different cultures, and how she plans to use the lessons from Criteo and put them into an entirely new space. With that in mind, let's get started. So, Sanding, is it sort of mining equipment, is that right? Oh
2: wow, okay. So yeah, so we manufacture tools. Okay. for manufacturing, mining, rock, technology, and a lot of things. Okay. Um, so they, 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 traditionally, they have been doing a lot of hardware production, but now, over the past couple of years, um, they have embarked on the digital solutions for the manufacturing industries, and that's where I come in. So I lead the marketing for their software side of the business.
1: So my question is, you've moved from a tech startup to a completely different heavy industry and engineering business, which is a, see, people see as a significant cultural change. Many marketers often stay in their zone of being a SaaS tech marketer or professional service marketer. What would you say to those people about the jump that you've made? Is it something that you'd recommend?
2: I would highly recommend. So I've been, over the years, past few years, I've been in ad tech. And I loved ad tech while I was there, but uh, I wasn't willing to listen to the recruiter when they called me, to be honest. I was like, no, I'm not interested. And uh, they were like, just listen to us, like to hear out what we are saying and understand. And I was like, I know nothing about manufacturing. And when I started like looking into, had a few interviews, I realized that it's the marketing skills that are going to be transferable. Rest, everything is like, you know, I'm going to learn right so i'm learning so much on a daily basis and it's really keeping me you know motivated whatever i've done in the past i am bringing that all and you know repurposing my knowledge for the this particular industry and it's not it's very transferable right same thing building the brand doing events doing content marketing i'm building a growth team which i had at critio so all of those things i'm doing again uh, but from a perspective of this is what's going to happen uh, if I take that to the manufacturing industry, there are differences, and I would say that that's the
0: fun part of it. You, you struck me as quite an ambitious person that likes to get their teeth into something. Um, was this like new opportunity of having something so different? What really attracted you to something?
2: Yes, that's that's it, right? You know, I knew I would be. So I was very comfortable at critio right? I had built my team. I built my team was fully functional. They were like performing really well everything was good so I was I was relaxed you know I could do I could take holidays without checking my emails, uh, which is a big, big bonus. Yeah. I think something different is what excited me. Like, you know, so Sandvik is a very traditional company, 150-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at their branding and everything, it's really working for the hardware, but going into the software world, it's not going to work. So how does somebody come in and change things there? And that's what was exciting for me because it's going to be really challenging like changing the mindset internally plus externally changing the perception of the brand all of those things are not going to be easy so that's why i was like okay if it's not easy then i'll try to do it
1: we like to ask all of our interviewees to give us um, a mistake that they've made some point in their career that sticks with them and is really memorable so do you have any mistakes that stick in your mind and what can our listeners learn from your mistakes?
2: So I have hundreds of mistakes I've made, but I think one of the main mistakes, and which I would not dare to repeat my entire life, was hiring the wrong people. The people and the team you have is, you, either makes you or breaks you. And for me, I've, although I, have peop- I had a team before, but when I started at Critio, I hired the first two people, and I landed up letting them go, because they were the wrong hires. And I was, you know, I moved one step forward and five steps backwards. That's one of the things I decided I'm never going to do. And, and that's why I was the worst hiring manager at Curdio. People hated working with me as like a hiring manager because they knew I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to hire the right person, but I had 100% retention in my team.
1: So if you have someone with the skills and someone who maybe has of those skills, but has the right attitude for your team dynamics. Do you tend to hire for those dynamics? Or are you patient and do you wait? What's your approach?
2: So you can't change people's attitude, I've realized. You can motivate them, you can inspire them, you can teach them a lot of things, but you can't change their personality. So I always hire the right personality so that I build a certain culture in my team and then uh, i have a long wish list every time i'm hiring somebody but like there are must-haves obviously if you're hiring an operations director you need to, they need to have operations experience and all of those things but there is another like you know 10 things that they should have if they don't have but they need to have these five core personality skills so that they blend in really well with the team and certain things you can go off, you can compromise on or teach but most of the things that i look for are unteachable so i would say that personality is more important than some of the skills not all the skills
0: so you've moved from critio and you have been quite vocal that you in that you built the marketing department from really the ground up which must have been quite a hef- hefty task to achieve so now you've moved to Sambic. What? How has that kind of shaped your approach in entering a different company in a leadership role?
2: In a nutshell, I would say that I learned the hard way that I should be investing a lot of time and... Uh, resources in terms of money to uh, keep my team up to speed with what's happening in the industry, especially like, you know, because what my aim is and what I've been doing is end to end, like, you know, uh, scalable marketing programs, which means they need to understand the tech and how to use the tech and how to integrate things. And that is like, it's changing so much so, so quickly. So investing a lot of time into hiring the right people, but also keeping them up to speed is something that I want to focus on at
0: Sandvik. You seem very um, team focused, which is great. So when you're coming into a company, into a new role, And you've already got an existing team, and the board are obviously there already. How do you start on the right foot and form those good relationships from the beginning, and especially with people that perhaps are very resistant to change? Sometimes, like leaders come
2: in and they just say, Okay, you know what, this is how we're gonna do this, we're gonna make these changes Mm -hmm. in their first month. I think that's a very bad idea, in my opinion. I think what they need to do is just spend some time with the team, especially like their direct reports. If they have a team of 100, they can't spend time with all of them, but their direct reports try to understand what they're doing, what their priorities are, what their team's doing, what their skills are, um, and then see whether it matches with the new vision that you know the company has for that new leader, and then marry the two i think that is the best way to go about it rather than just you know just coming in and changing everything because then that's the resistance to change for me, it's a, it's not just about where you are right now. It's where you want to be. Five years time, where do you see yourself? And I did that even though they, they, I built the team, but I would still do that with my team every year. So every year as part of their PDA process, I would do their career development plan with them for the rest of the year, understand from them, like, what do you want to do in five years time? Okay, let's take a step back and think, okay, what, you, what are the short-term uh, achievements or goals or training or whatever you want to do, and then what could be the long-term, and work with them. And Every quarter, we would have a, an hour with my direct reports to understand, okay, what did you achieve this, this quarter? Mm-hmm. That kept them motivated as well. The leader is genuinely interested in not just me doing the job every day, putting my head down 9 to 5, but also interested in my career. Yeah. So that's why, like, you know, I started a mentorship program at Critio. The first time I did that, I didn't even know I was starting a mentorship program. I just started looking for mentors and it just turned out to be a program. And my team just stuck around because of that. They would tell me that we've never had a leader investing so much time and effort into our career. So we're just gonna stay and you know, we're gonna see how it pans out, which is great. And I didn't have to invest a lot of time to be honest. I just match the two people and that's it and they went on with it so those little things like people do appreciate and i think for a new leader it's really important to understand what are the team dynamics and work with
0: that rather than coming in and just you know, making changes Mm -hmm. from the start. So in that beginning stage, it's really about kind of getting those small wins rather than just sweeping everything away and starting fresh and bringing in your own thing.
2: Everybody's different, right? A team is a team, but everybody's an individual in the team. And And my management style, I don't have a management style. When people ask me, what's your management style? I don't have one. I work with people according to their personality rather than according to my personality, because I want different things from different people and if they're doing different roles, they think differently, they act differently, they have different skills. So for me, I can't manage all of them the same way. Yeah, there are certain principles you need to abide by, but in terms of like leadership, each person needs to be led according to them rather than according to me. That, that makes sense.
1: So one other part of starting these senior roles is obviously your relationship with your counterparts outside of marketing, in particular... Seniors in more general roles. So how do you build those relationships early doors to grant you the time and the patience to get these decisions right, where they are maybe expecting you to move faster and win quicker? How do you set those relationship boundaries?
2: So I think the toughest is the relationship with sales, right? Because sales want everything done yesterday. And my first objective is to, while building all those relationships with my boss and everybody else, like just let's get married to the sales guy or the saleswoman. Because then your life is so much easier. Like, So what I try to do is spend lots and lots of time with my sales team to make sure that I understand their priorities, their objectives, their challenges, and then take a step back and then build my marketing around that rather than just me sitting in a room and saying, oh, this is how the other company does that. Let's just do it. Or this is how I did at Critio, No way, the companies are different, people are different, priorities are different, challenges are different. So what I want to do is just make sure that I understand. And once you start understanding you have a win, right? Because then they feel, okay, I'm being listened to and whatever is coming is going to be based on that. And it's always a consultative approach. Being humble about, you know, things um, works better, works, has worked better for me. And I've seen people also doing that because when, when somebody new comes in, everybody's trying to figure them out, right? And it's it's the way you build your persona within the company, your brand within the company. It's more like, I'm a partner. We have the same objective, we have the same vision. If you want to get there in three years time, that's my objective too. So let's just get there together rather than, okay, I'm I'm here, I'm new and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do this.
0: That doesn't work. So when you joined Sandvik, how did you kind of understand the IT side of things and the processes and the tech? I imagine it's different to Critio. How do you get an understanding of that? Is that just through talking to people and playing around with what you've got? Um, I'm still trying to figure
2: that out, but I think it's it's both. It's a combination, right? Um, Some of the tools and tech, luckily, they use are similar to what I've been using, so it's easier but in a different way. Um, Some of the tech, like the CRM that we have, I was lucky enough that they didn't have a CRM. So I implemented it like day one. I was like, let's sign a contract because you cannot not have a CRM. Uh, so I think it's it's been a combination. I've spent some time with the uh, IT team. I've spent some time with the sales team to understand what they're doing, how are they managing their Excel spreadsheet because they didn't have a CRM, um, but also like figuring things out myself. So it's a it's a combination. I'm not there yet, to be honest, because there's a lot to learn. But my biggest priority priority has been to just build those relationships so that it becomes easier for me.
0: And when you're learning and kind of asking people questions, is that the time that you uncover where others in the company may actually not know the answer either? And then that's kind of a learning process for both of you. Yeah.
2: uh, uh, Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I have. I have uncovered a lot of times that the, the sales team, the, the, the people at sound like, are really smart, like, you know, they know what they're doing, but at the same time, they have never answered some question from a marketing perspective. Like when they talk about like products that they're launching, they talk about this is, these are the features, but what's in it for me as a customer, like when I'm writing the marketing copy, how do I write that? They're like, Hmm. Let's just think about it. So yes, they've started like thinking about those things. So there are a lot of questions they don't have answers to and they're loving it. They, they're they very receptive to change, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's also about asking the right questions from yeah. the right people. Because sometimes like, you know, I may have a lot of questions about something, but that's not the right person I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. So I try to make notes of those questions and, you know, just go back and, I also don't want to bombard people with those questions so it's just going to be a little bit of a learning curve for me but at the same time yeah I think uh, people don't have the answers to everything. I don't have the answers to everything.
0: Great. Any
2: more I think
1: I just have the final question. So we're building a B2B book club, a list of must read books for marketers everywhere. Do you have a book that you would like to add to our
2: shelves? I'm on a mission to... To develop an uh, end-to-end AI-backed automated marketing function. And one of the, I know,
1: <laughs>
2: easy. Uh, easy. Uh, and I've been trying to educate myself on different technologies that exist. And I think uh, I recent, I am still reading it. I haven't finished it. Artificial intelligence for marketing by Ben Stern. Really good book. Initially, like the first half of the book is very basic so I was like bored but then three days ago I picked it up again and I started reading the rest of it and it's really good it talks about different technologies that you could use to do different tasks and obviously I won't implement all of them but it gives me good food for thought this is one of the books where I keep a notepad next to me and make notes so I would highly recommend for somebody who's actually interested in understanding how artificial intelligence and machine learning can have an impact on marketing. Perfect.
1: And I guess if anyone hasn't got the time, they can just drop you an email and you'll send them their notes instead.
2: Oh, I'd love to. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. welcome. Thank you.